Is there a quick and easy way to remember the, the evidence for the historical reliability of Jesus' resurrection? On this edition of the Bellator Christie podcast, we'll discuss one acronym that gives us quick access to the most important resources describing the historical reliability of Jesus' resurrection. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and we thank you for joining us on this edition. Uh, we hope you're doing well wherever you may be. We started back a, a new edition, a new season of the Bellator Christie Podcast, and again, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, just finished the first full first week here at Westfield Baptist Church. And we had some wonderful services, had a wonderful Bible study Wednesday night. So I'm really excited to see uh, what God is uh, doing and what He plans to do uh, through our ministry here at Westfield. And and uh, do want to continue to remember our uh, good friends at, at uh, Huntsville Baptist and pray God's blessings be upon them and that, uh, uh, that God... Uh, directs them through their next phase of ministry as well. Uh, but we're just uh, excited to be on board with what God is doing and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing seeing how God moves in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, want to uh, talk about a little bit today about a, an acronym. Uh, describing a quick acronym, I think that it will help us understand, help us to quickly recall uh, the information about Jesus's resurrection. But before I do that, I want to remind you of the uh, of a um, forthcoming conference uh, coming up. I I'm a, I am a promoter, but it doesn't look like this year that I'm going to probably be able to make it, and that is really a bummer because <laughs> I was I was hoping to make it this year uh, but uh, that's the uh, National Conference on Christian Apologetics in fact I may have to wait until after I finish uh, my PhD work before I uh, get back actively involved in the uh, conference down in Charlotte but it's a wonderful conference and we want to let everybody know about this um, and, and, and encourage you if you have an opportunity to be down in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, coming up in October, that you take advantage of this. If you go over to conference.ses, uh, conference.ses.edu, you can find out all the information on this uh, blockbuster annual conference. Uh, this is called uh, the, the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. And I'm trying to pull this up right now. I'm having some issues. Uh, for some oh here it is okay uh, this is the 25th anniversary I believe it is of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics uh, this is uh, going to be held October 12th through the 13th at Calvary Church 
in uh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. You can use also the hashtag uh, hashtag NCCA to access information. It's two full days. It's the conference is called the God Who Is. It's two full days, uh, sixty five speakers and eighty seven sessions, and uh, it's uh, seventy five dollars. Well, actually. That's the early bird pricing that has already uh, ceased. The regular pricing now, $85 for adults, $55 for students. Group home, school, Christian school, and skeptic discounts are available. Go to conference.ses.edu or you can call 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201, for more information. Uh, This year they're going to have Ravi Zacharias, who's going to be there, Josh McDowell, Chip Ingram, uh, of course, uh, Gary Habermas from Liberty University, who I'll actually have an opportunity to have him as a professor uh, coming up uh, here in a few weeks, or actually started the course, and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, But in addition to that, Marty Baker, who's a senior pastor at Burke Community Church, uh, Thomas Baker, um, Ken Boa is supposed to be there, Rob Bowman, Timothy Brown, uh, Catherine Camp, uh, and uh, several, several others. Eric Chabot, he's supposed to be there. Raymond Severo, I guess that's how you say say that. Matthew uh, Coates is supposed to be there. Natasha Kane, she does a great job. Jeremy Jeremy Cummings, Adam Davis, Kristen Davis, Don Deal, uh, James, I have no clue how you say his name, Doe Lazal, I probably butchered that. Uh, some other SES faculty are looking through this. John Fair is supposed to be there. Uh... David Geisler, Norman Geisler, uh, Jorge Gil Calderon, great guy there, Jorge is. Uh, he's going to, uh, he's a social media specialist at Cross Examined. Olin Giles, uh, just looking through here some more. So Gary Habermas mentioned that, mentioned him. Uh, Brian Henson, uh, Richard Howe, Thomas Howe, Brian Huffling, Chip Ingram, I mentioned him, I think. Uh, Prem Isaac, uh, Several, several others. There's, there's Richard Land supposed to be there, um, and many others. Looking to see if my good buddy um, is supposed to be speaking there. Drew and uh, Drew, but I don't see Jay Warner Wallace is supposed to be there. Along uh, many, many others, Jeff's wearing from Reasons to Believe. So anyhow, go to conference.scs.edu to, ch- to check out all the information and details on that. If you're interested and are going to be in the Charlotte area, I highly recommend you go to this conference. It's, it's a wonderful time. You, you'll get more information than you can even fathom. It's, it's almost like uh, drinking water from a uh, fire hose, to be honest. Uh, there's so much stuff coming at you. But anyhow, go by and check that out. All right, let's get back on the podcast at hand today. Uh, we're, we are uh, going to look at a simple acronym that will help us to understand, to remember or recall the uh, information regarding the historicity of Jesus' resurrection. Now, if, if you're like me, I, I read a lot. In fact, I've just finished my library well not quite finished it almost but uh, and, and I have a lot of books I've read through a lot of books in my time and uh, and as I'm just beginning the PhD program I know there'll be there'll be a lot a lot more <laughs> coming my way but um, sometimes for me I read things and, and I absorb things but sometimes it's hard or just difficult for me to recall them quickly. And so when it comes to the historicity of Jesus' resurrection, this is something we want to be able to recall 
fairly quickly to be able to tell someone about the evidence that exists for Jesus' resurrection. And so I've, I've kind of borrowed an acronym uh, that other people have used, but I, I went through some, went a different angle with it because I wanted to uh, sharpen the acronym a little bit to look a little bit more at the historical data supporting Jesus' resurrection. And so if you can simply re- remember the acronym RISEN, R-I-S-E-N, this will help you, I believe, uh, to recall some of the more important details concerning the historicity of Jesus' resurrection. Let's take a look first at the R, the R of risen. Uh, and this, this is the records of Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are recorded not only in the Gospels, but let's just say the Gospels are historical, uh, historical books. So you have four accounts of the, uh, the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Four biographies, if you want to call it that, uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But there are also records indicating this occurrence. There are numerous early church fathers. One particularly that's of special importance is one Clement of Rome, who wrote in the first century. Okay, Clement of Rome. He he just he uh, doesn't go into details. He's assuming this to be true, but from that you can make a case that Jesus did did exist. That he died. It was buried, but died on a Roman cross. Was was buried and rose again on the third day. Okay, so there are records indicating this occurrence in not only scripture but also the early church fathers, numerous from dating from uh, first century, second century, third century. Uh, numerous accounts that quote from the Bible, quote from the New Testament, and indicate the same thing that uh, the Bible does: that Jesus had what did he existed, died on a Roman cross, was buried and resurrected. There are also some. Um, there are some also some other records uh, that are not even um, records that are Christian, even like the Jewish historian Josephus is one who records the the core details pertaining to the life of Jesus. Um, another one is uh, Tacitus, a Roman historian, who mentions certain things. Suetonius and many many others who mentions these issues as well. So this gives us a good historical standing when we talk about the core details of Jesus's life and even his death and resurrection. So R represents records of Jesus's death and resurrection. I represents irksome or, if you want to say, irritating details. Some of the details of Jesus' resurrection are quite irritating for those who um, were, were, were telling them. Or you may want to say even embarrassing. Uh, but they had to be irritating for the individuals proclaiming them because um, it did not necessarily paint the early... Christians always in the best of light, especially the men. You know, when you look at early uh, documents, uh, even in the Greco-Roman world, the hero is going to be a larger-than-life, almost like a comic book superhero of sorts, uh, like an like a uh, uh, like a Thor or like a uh, uh, Superman or something like that. He may not fly in the sky like that, but but he has he's just an, a person of extraordinary prowess and strength and wisdom. You know, a, a man's man. 
Well, you get to the uh, New Testament, and you have Peter, who is a man's man. You have these other apostles who are manly men. But yet, when Jesus is crucified, they all go run for their lives. Uh, And the only people who are faithful to Jesus during this time are the women. And now, the women, women were not held in high esteem in ancient times. They were held in a, in a higher esteem in Jewish circles than they were in the Greco-Roman world. But even sometimes in the Greco-Roman world, you know, women were uh, viewed just slightly as above as being above cattle. Um, I'm sorry, ladies, but that's just I mean, that's just the way it was in those days. For the gospel writers to say that the first that that the women were faithful to Jesus, the men were not. Uh, and for the first person to see Jesus alive from the dead was a woman who had some type of a past. If nothing else, she had um, uh, seven demons cast from her, uh, whatever that means. I mean, she was demon-possessed. Some people think that there may have even been a, a bit of a history with her, and that's a debatable. That's, that's been debate, debated by many. But... The possibility that she could have had a past, the possibility that, um, that at least the fact that she had been one who had who had, had had seven demons cast from her, that she is the first person to see Jesus alive from the dead, that is not something you would make up. If you're inventing a story, that is not something that you would make up, and that's not something that you would promote. Yet that's exactly what the early church did. So... Historians say that these embarrassing details, or for the sake of our acronym, these irritating details, hold great historical emphasis because people are not going to want to report things that make them look bad. But yet the fact that they, they couldn't give Jesus a proper burial, the first that the women were faithful when the men were not, the men went and ran and hid for the most part, um, and that the first person to see Jesus alive from the grave was were a group of women, one particular being one who could have had a past. Uh, all of this is is doesn't bode well for the idea that the gospel was something that was just invented. It makes no sense. Uh, why would someone believe that if you know if if you're starting off you know claiming that that the least among the people in society were the ones who were the greatest uh, and, and reliable. I mean, uh, and, and by, by the least, I'm not saying that they weren't trustworthy. I'm just saying the, the held in least regard in society. That is very telling and I think speaks well of the historical uh, reliability of Jesus' resurrection. S in Risen stands for the sightings of Jesus' appearances. Jesus was not only seen once. This is something that many people uh, fail to understand. And I think part of the problem in this is due to some of the Christian movies we've seen. Some Christian movies will have Jesus crucified, and they only show a little trickle of blood, and he's buried, and then the next day he pops up, and and he, he, he sees everybody, and then he ascends the next day, and it's over and done with. But that's not the case at all. The, uh, the Bible indicates that Jesus was seen over a period of 40 days. There were multiple appearances of Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 9 uh, is a very intriguing text. It's a text that uh, historians have noted to be an early New Testament creed or formulation. 
And uh, many scholars have even said that it most likely dates to no more than two to five years after Jesus' resurrection, and more likely dates to within two to three months of Jesus' resurrection. So you're you're looking at uh, very uh, a formulation that grew very close to uh, Jesus the, to the events that they recall. In other words, you may want to call this ground zero. Uh, right at the time, I mean th- that is enormous of enormous uh, historical significance. But First Corinthians fifteen notes that, and and notice that they only mention men in First Corinthians fifteen. Okay, but they note that five hundred brothers saw Jesus at one time. Now, seeing that the early creed in First Corinthians does not contain any female witnesses. One has to wonder if there couldn't have been even more than just 500. Uh, Because I know the feeding of the 5,000, they only counted men. By the time you count women and children, you're looking at more likely the feeding of 20,000 or 25,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And we know that kids were there because it was a little boy who brought the, the bread and fish to Jesus. But they only counted men in the in the number. So if that is this is what holds true in First Corinthians fifteen, then it may have been that there were fifteen hundred to two thousand people who saw Jesus alive at one time. And we know of at least two occurrences in the gospel records in the book of Acts where Jesus was seen in a large group. Uh, the Great Commission, uh, Matthew twenty eight, appears to have been at a time that was not the time of the ascension. I don't think Matthew twenty eight is recording a time of the ascension. It may be that that is the time where the over 500 people saw him as he's, as he's given almost like another Sermon on the Mount uh, type of situation there in Matthew 28. But there's a large group of people who are seeing Jesus uh, in Matthew 28. He gives the Great Commission. But over in Acts, we also see that back in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, where people in Jerusalem could have easily seen this, which is amazing, <laughs> the fact that this is happening back at, again, ground zero, where all these events took place. They go up to Galilee for a little while. He meets people up there. He has the Romans, Romans 28 experience up there. And then he comes back down to Judea, and then he's at the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. And there are at least, I think this is 150, maybe more. I, can't, I don't have the precise number in front of me right now. But there's a large group of individuals who see Jesus on the, on, Mount of, on the Mount of Olives, which is clearly in view in Jerusalem, and Jesus ascends into heaven. And there's a large group of people who are there seeing this. So the fact that you have, and, and Paul even says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, that there are many who saw Jesus alive. Some of them had passed away, but most of them were still alive to corroborate uh, the reality of uh, Jesus' resurrection. Some people even believe that Barnabas may have been one of the 70 sent forth by Jesus and that uh, that he may have even been himself one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. So the number of eyewitnesses add to the depth of, of the resurrection's historicity, and that's something we need to remember. Um, early confessions and creeds is the E. Uh, early confessions, the New Testament is chalked full of early creeds and confessions. And we mentioned this, uh, one of them in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-9, but there are many others. Uh, Romans 10, 9 is one. Colossians 1, uh, 15-20 is another. 
Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is, uh, is another one. And there are many, many others we can mention that we can mention that goes along with that. Now, some people have asked, how do you know that, um, that something is an early creed. Well, a lot of it has to do with the the structure, and and I'll save this for I'll save that for another podcast describing that in more detail. But a lot of it has to do with the structure. Uh, does it seem to use Aramisms? Does it seem to use Aramaic terms, which would date back to earlier times? Is the structure more a structure that would be seen in Hebrew literature? That's a good indication. Do, are there key words that indicate that uh, that that the text does not originate with the author? That's that's another thing too. So these early creeds make the inclusion. Uh, th- these early creeds make the inclusion of legendary details concerning Jesus's resurrection highly unlikely. So this combats the idea that uh, the the New Testament came too late. Uh, to have any credibility. In fact, I believe in the traditional understanding that Matthew was really the apostle who wrote um, the gospel. I don't see why it would make sense to say that Matthew, who was probably the least uh, respected outside of Judas Iscariot because he was a tax collector, would be the one chosen to be the author of the first gospel had it not been true. I think John Mark, uh, again, he would be an inter- odd choice because he had a falling out with Paul unless he was the one who really wrote it. Uh, he records the information from Simon Peter. Luke, of course, a historian par, par excellence. And then John, I believe, is the is the uh, apostle uh, John of Zebedee uh, who writes that. And then, all, and of course, I accept the 13 letters of Paul, so on and so forth, not getting into all that. The point I'm simply trying to make is even if that were not true, even if it came by groups of people later on in the Christian church, the fact that you have this early detail still make them historically credible and historically reliable. And that's something to remember. So let me recap before we look at our final one. First of all, the R in Risen stands for Records of Jesus' Death and a Resurrection. I stands for Irksome or Irritating Details. Uh, talking about things that are embarrassing to the early church. S stands for sightings of Jesus' appearance, resurrection appearances. Um, E stands for early confessions and creeds found in the New Testament. And then finally, N stands for newfound faith. And when you look at James, the brother of Jesus, who John tells us was not initially a believer in Jesus during his ministry, and you see Paul of Tarsus, who was opposed to the Christian movement, even holding the coats of those who had stoned Stephen and actually fully supported the execution of Christians. Uh, Looking at these guys, it seems highly unusual that they would turn around and make a dramatic change to accept Christ, uh, Jesus, as Christ the Savior, unless there had been something dramatic that took place and that dramatic event was the resurrection event, uh, seeing Jesus alive from the dead. That would be enough to convince somebody, hey, you know what, maybe he was right in what he said. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that would be something that would be very convincing. So I think this acronym is very useful. Uh, again, uh, R stands for records, 
early you know, numerous records of Jesus' death and resurrection. I irksome or irritating details that you find in the Gospels uh, pertaining to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. S, the sightings of Jesus' appearances. E, early confessions and creeds. And N, newfound faith. I think if you can remember this acronym and, and, uh, and hold on to the truths found therein, I think this is going to give you an easy uh, and quick... Re, uh, easy and quick recall of the most important factors. Now, there are many other things that we can mention that uh, that that show the reliability of Jesus's resurrection, historical historical validity of his resurrection. But I think these five things in the acronym "Risen" can give a a good introductory um, information to a person who is seeking to understand more about. Uh, the hope that's within us, and that is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So my prayer is that we'll take this acronym and use it to uh, go give someone heaven this week. And so uh, this is Brian Chilton. We pray God's blessings be upon you. And remember, as always, the truth shall set you free. And we'll see you back next time on the Middle Ford Christie Podcast. views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.
watching this is liberty music video share it, retweet it to all your friends using hashtag this is liberty peace